Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Andy. Welcome to Diplomacy Games Podcast. The podcast about diplomacy. All things diplomacy. Playing the game. And drinking. And drinking. Mostly diplomacy. Mmm. But, you know, my second most favourite hobby is drinking. Well, you've had lots of practice over the years. I reckon you probably actually had more practice. Well, actually, that's a good question. Have you had more practice drinking? Or more practice playing diplomacy. Mm. They go hand in hand so often. They do. And often become quite messy <laughs> as a result. But you have a great time playing the game. Oh, may not win. Yeah. But... <laughs> absolutely. Where are we? We're at the, the Scratch Bar. Yeah, the Scratch Bar um, yeah, over in Milton. So um, I kind of felt that we haven't been over this side of town for a while. And... A bit outside your stomping grounds. Yeah. I caught a, I caught a, uh, a ferry over. Nice. So um, it's always nice in the summer months when it's you know sunny still at this time of day and yep, get the breeze, you've got and the breeze down the river. and you know it's, it's lovely. Of course, it's a um, kind of like a faux Parisian kind of vibe to the place. Hey, like faux. Yeah, it's always been like that since, like, I think the 80s when they put up the little mini fake Eiffel Tower. Has that been there since the 80s? Yeah, it was, it was there. Oh, definitely, definitely early 90s, but I reckon early, late 80s as well. It was probably, like, you know, during the time of Expo 88. Oh, right. And yeah, they yeah. kind of, you know, this was the area, that was, this was the trendy, yuppie, air quotes, you know, type of... Back in the day. Back in the day. Yep. Yeah, and it's right. still a little trendy, but it's, you know, and, and a little bit more upmarket than, say, uh, more grungy, you know, West End or Valley, but... True. you still got a little bit of, you know, interesting street life. Interesting characters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I moved to town, mm-hmm. those high-rise buildings weren't there at all. So they've gone up in the last seven years. Yeah. Well, actually, I think... Um, my father told me this whole complex here, like where, we, where we're recording in today, there used to be like old dingy derelict flats and shit like that when he moved to Brisbane in the late 60s. So he actually used to live in whatever, you know, within about a stone's throw of where we're currently at. Yeah. So this is like a, a council estate type. Or just well, it was more like I think, public, uh, oh, yeah, like apartment blocks. No, no, what do you call like um, anyway. tenements? Nah, just I think it was units or whatever. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, or maybe you just kind of you know, rented a room or something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Bit of history to the place, really. Anyway, yeah, very close to the brewery, isn't it? The Forex Brewery is just around the corner. See the tower. There we go. We're not even drinking any of their beer. Speaking of which, what are we drinking today? I'm on the Willie Nelson cider. I'm going to change a bit later. Yeah. Um, I do like Willie Nelson's. It's uh, it's a cloudy cider um, and it it starts off with a little bit bitter but it really goes sweet um, oh. it's got a nice roll in the palate mm. um, as a diplomacy opening goes it's um, yeah it, it, it's a happy opening a happy opening it's a happy opening it's um, if you're playing Germany yeah and you 
have successfully negotiated with England and you've bounced Russia in Scandinavia but that's okay because Russia's gotten stabbed trying to make a juggernaut by two. Oh, you yes, know, it's one I of like those. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a Helios, which I think is the brewer, Poseidon West Coast Pale Ale. And I don't know yeah. how the fuck, don't ask me, luckily I'm asking me now, rather than later on after a few drinks. <laughs> and this is, I won't say that's a special beer, but it's a very surprising beer, a really enjoyable beer. It's kind of like full of surprise. Okay. It's kind of like using your German analogy yep. that, you know, you've got Denmark, you've got Holland as part of your openings, yes, right? Yes, yep, yep. And it comes to fall, maybe you've, made, maybe you've moved to, I don't know, I don't know what happened to the third unit, fuck I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, do something stupid moving it towards... <laughs> Silesia. Silesia. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's probably like you've done something stupid, moved it to Silesia, you've told, you've told Russia... Oops, sorry, fucked up there. Um, I kind of misordered, <laughs> and he believes you. And you slip into Warsaw. And you slip into anyway. Warsaw or Moscow. <laughs> I don't know, Warsaw. Um, I was originally going to say it's like you know, you're going to, you, you, you've heard that from both England and France that they're going to contest Belgium, and, and you go, well, why would not it be bothered? And then the last minute you think, oh well, I'll just, I'll just bounce them in Belgium, and, and nobody went there, and you just kill it yourself. That's another way of looking at it. It's, it's, a, it's a surprising it's a drink. surprising drink. In a good way. In a good way, yeah. I, I actually did that in reverse once as um, Russia. I, I actually did misorder to Silesia from Warsaw. Oh. And I apologised to Germany profusely and he believed me. And I walked into Berlin. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, episode 101 today, Kana. Yes. And we've, um, as always, we're always looking at how can we lift our game. I was super excited with today's interview, actually. I, and I learned a lot from this one. In, in, in. Well, I, I think I think without you know further ado, Matt Culkin um, brings a world of experience to the table, and um, I don't want to shade anyone's listening experience. I think we should just jump straight into it. And sure, I think yes, the the interview will well and truly speak for itself. Um, so here we go. Here's Matt. All right. Uh, Matt Culkin, yes. welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you on. You know, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So, Matt, you've, you've got quite an extraordinary career, um, particularly in the business world, but more importantly to us within the, um, the world of, of board gaming and also in, in relation to diplomacy. Um, when was the first time you played diplomacy? You know, I discovered diplomacy in my high school. There was a diplomacy club, and I, I was interested in it whether they meant the behavior or the game. And I found out later to my delight that in fact they meant the game. So even better, I bought the game in order to join the club and play and I loved it. And later I became the sponsor for the club and so I hosted it for a year or two and uh, and I've, I've appreciated the game ever since. It's, it's brilliantly designed. It doesn't fit all circumstances, but when you get a good game of it, there's there's uh, it's hard to do better. 
And when it comes to the game, this may this may sound quite an odd question. How long have you been playing for now? Well, I've wow, it's been thirty years. But that's funny because I've I, most of those years passed without a game of diplomacy. That's not uncommon, I think, in in our um, um, community. Um, did you find? What appeals to you now with the game is different to what appealed to you at the start? You know, early on, I loved the sense of history and there was just a thrill in moving pieces across Europe. And I think now I'm more focused on the diplomacy and less on the tactics of moving pieces and conducting warfare. However, as a game designer, which I became during my life, I appreciate the elegance of the design, which is something that hadn't crossed my mind when I first encountered it. And which which aspects of, of the design um, appeal to you particularly? Uh, I, I like the simultaneous play. Uh, that's great for speeding the action forward. I like the simplicity with which armies resolve their conflicts, right? There's no chance involved. I think that's a terrific design. Uh, everything is just just one one point each army. Uh, the, uh, the the support mechanism and the way support can be cut is elegant, in my opinion. And and I like the convoy rule as well. In fact, as as a board game designer who attempts to create elegant games, there's very little I can complain about with diplomacy. It is an example of an elegant game. Uh, in fact, if I were to try to criticize it, what would I come down to? The fact that you know, there's two coasts in Spain. I mean, I'd be down to very small issues that strike me as inelegant about the game. It's really a wonderful representation of what it's trying to do. And, and you've created, um, as you've mentioned before, board games yourself. So you've, you've commercially published two, um, and I'm going to probably get the pronunciation wrong on one of them. So there's Tim Goose, which is easy to say, and I assume it's is it Seki Kahara? It is. That's that's well done. Nice job. And and I've also published another one called Magnet, and I have another one coming up next year called Charioteer. Okay. And have you what within those games that you've designed have you drawn upon uh, when it comes to your experience with diplomacy? Well, Sekigahara is a war game, and so there's some natural parallels there. Uh, I found diplomacy is an elegant and simple visual and tactile experience. And I tried to replicate that in Sekigahara. Uh, I love the way combat and movement are intuitive in diplomacy. It doesn't take long to learn how it works. It takes a long time to play it really well. And that's another thing that a designer, in my opinion, should aspire to. The game's instructions are not complex, but the emergent situations are complex. I believe there are some interesting parallels between Sekigahara and diplomacy, though they play very differently. And Sekigahara attempts to be far more descriptive of its historical situation than diplomacy is. Mm. Sorry, Ken, were you about to? Oh, sorry, Ken, were you about to jump in and say something? I don't know. You jump ahead. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I, I don't necessarily want this, Matt, also just to be all these rapid-fire questions. So one of the good things we like about our interviews is they're a good conversation. So if you think we're going too fast, let us slow down a little bit. 
the truth is I love it. Let's take this in whatever direction you'd like. Cool, um, cool. Maybe okay. if you want, I'll ask you. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> and look, one thing, I suppose I, I came across you initially in an article in, in Forbes magazine, um, and it concentrated on a number of different things in, in that piece. Um, but particularly around your role and in winning the uh, World Board Gaming Championships, I had never heard of the World Board Gaming Championships, and I don't know if any of our listeners have t- uh, either. Did you want to talk a little bit about that competition? Well, sure. It's a pleasure. I mean, it's it's the only convention I go to. My time is very tight, so I have to make choices. And this is a good one because it's very competitive and serious, and I appreciate that. I'm not there to discover the game so much as to challenge myself to play it really well. Uh, as such, I also often play games that I can fit together. It's This is a convention with 1,000, 2,000 people converging to play 100 games. And it's a bit like the Olympics of board games, where they've got you know, all these events, you can enter whichever ones you want, and it's up to you to make it all balanced, to make your schedule fit. There's no way you'll play all 100, but you might play 10 during the course of, of the convention. And so you make trade-offs, and you pick your favorites, and generally they're games you've played before. And the competition is at a very high level. I did once play the Diplomacy event there, and I don't usually, though. I usually focus on heavy business games, uh, like uh, Automobile and Power Grid. However, they have a thriving diplomacy event. Uh, it's one of the, the popular events that they play every year. And it's a good place to play a lot of popular and traditional board games. And, and is there any uh, strategy or tactics that, you, that a, a player would employ to actually try to, to win the championships, like yourself? How many times? Well, you would. Okay, it depends on what you mean by one. They they have individual (laughs) events, and so you you can win that tournament, right? They'll have a tournament in automobile or power grid or diplomacy, and you can play that and win that tournament, just like you would play any other diplomacy tournament. And then they have an overall score, which they calculate based on the amount of player hours that went into each of the events that you won or placed in. And honestly, that's not a very good metric for how well somebody did. Some games take uh, good luck to win, and some games take skill to win. And they're not measured by whether it took luck or skill. They're measured by how many person hours were invested in that game in that year. And, And so, well, anyway, I've never come out number one on the person hours of games beaten scale. I think my best finish was number three in the tournament in that measurement. Um, so I haven't won the meta game. I, I've, I've won the individual events. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so that's, that's, it sounds, you sound like the fact that you only spend a bit of time, you know, that's the only convention that you go to in a year and obviously it gives you that greater breadth of, of games. You talked around, um, you know, you tend to gravitate a little bit in, in, that, uh, in the, the championships there towards more um, business-focused ones. <laughs> Do you find um, a how how do you find a crossover when it comes to your experience in in the business world and gaming? Well, there's a number of fantastic crossovers. Gaming, first of all, teaches you whether you're making good decisions. A game is like a little laboratory for learning whether you make good decisions. You can make a bunch of decisions in a game, and then an hour or two later, you'll know whether they were good enough to win. And so if it bothers you to lose, then you spend the next hour or two thinking about why 
you didn't win, and it's a great learning experience. I believe that we'd all be better off if we fit more feedback loops into our lives. We'd hone our skills better. We'd we'd confront the reality of uh, of the worthiness of our efforts better if we had to keep listening to feedback loops. Games are a natural feedback loop, but you can seek them in everyday life in other ways, provided you're you're uh, <clears throat> focused on it. Uh, so gaming is great for that and allows me to do better at the things that I do. I, I gamify a lot of the things that I do. I, I give myself a score on all the meetings during a day, for example, because I seek those feedback loops and I'm honest with myself about whether I'm doing well or poorly. I think that's a great life skill. I also think that game design helps you in life because game design is about taking something very complex in the real world, like a war in Japan, and boiling it down to a few essential causal relationships which you can build the game around. So the the, the process of constructing a game is one of taking a, a cloud of complexity and reducing it to a to a, a core simple set of relationships. That's that's a great life skill as well. And then finally with regards to diplomacy, I, I, I say that that one I think is actually better game to play for life than, than nearly any other game because it teaches you about negotiation and, uh, and interpersonal uh, discussions. In diplomacy, you're, you can't win alone, right? In most forms of diplomacy, you can't win alone. And so you have to create these relationships and figure out what's important to others. It's about observation and establishing a personality and working together and signaling cooperation. There's a wonder. Diplomacy specifically is good for life skills because it forces you to negotiate, learn from other people, listen to them, partner with them, signal them, build trust with them that's a great experience that you don't get in a typical game. So if anything, diplomacy is more valuable than other games in, uh, in being good at the rest of your life. Matt, I, I was having a look at the, the photo in um, the Forbes magazine. I, I recognize um, many of the games, um, but many of the games I, I don't recognize at all. Um, and, you know, I, I, I actually have some of them on my, my bookshelf as well. Um, I was, I see like Puerto Rico and Dominion, um, Shogun, Stratego, Tigris and Euphrates is an old favourite of mine. Um, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely game. Um, you, you've, you've spoken some around, um, you know, games emulating real world scenarios and, you know, some of the aspects inside them that make uh, really good games. Um, do you have any advice that you could give uh, to our listeners who may be interested in making board games themselves? In making them, yes. Yes, definitely. First of all, don't expect to make any money. Maybe, maybe Reiner Knizia makes a little bit of money, but, but I don't, and most don't, right? Do it because you enjoy it. Secondly, work on creating one game and, and just just polish it. Make, it. make it really good and and then find a publisher who's interested uh but just like what what you need is is just something you love right i i come up with lots of game ideas and most of them i don't try to publish because i don't feel like the world needs another game unless i love it and so i first my first step in making a game before i know who's going to publish it before i get an editor or a website or go to a convention or anything like that i just work on the same design for a long time typically years before i'll show it to anybody 
and and then I'll discard most of my designs. And only a very few get through that period with me thinking this is worth some of my time. I'm not going to make any money, so I just want the world to have this game so much that I'm going to put my time into creating it. And then find a publisher. I've published three. I've published with three different publishers right now. It helped me to go to a convention and meet some of them in a casual setting. And it helped to have published something in the past. Once I had a little bit of a track record, that also helped. But uh, but yeah, once you're in touch with them, you can talk about why your design is good and what need it fills, what's missing in the, the ecosystem of games and what its place would be. I, I find you'll do a lot better if you have a conversation with a publisher than just send it in as a submission. So try to find a connection and, and have a personal discussion. I, I imagine that they also would go through um, a fair bit of playtesting. Does the publisher organise that, or would you sort of do some of that prior to approaching the publisher? They do. I would do a lot of it prior to approaching the publisher, and I wouldn't rely on the publisher to find any gaps. Uh, I don't believe I've ever made an important change to any design based on publisher playtesting. I, I take responsibility for it myself. But yeah, they'll probably do some validation, especially if it's a new game. They'll play it and decide whether they like it enough to publish it themselves. Hmm. Okay. Um, back back to diplomacy. Um, do you have a favorite country you play, or a least favorite, or are they all equally um, <laughs> or, or favorite? Well, my least favorite is probably Russia because I feel like. There's so many ways for a conspiracy to get going against Russia. The front's too long. There's, there's, there's just too many ways you can get trouble. And also, it's hard to grow quickly. I believe I, I have a preference for those nations that have a high risk and high, high reward situation. So I've probably got a fondness for Germany and Austria on that basis. Uh, but I also, I'd have to say my favorite overall is France. And the reason is I love France's flexible position on the map. It could be a naval power, it could be a land power. It could, uh, it could engage in the north, it can engage in the south. Uh, it, it's got a corner of the board. It's not quite one of the witches, but it's got a corner of the board. Uh, and I, I love that it therefore has a quick ramp available to it. It could be a five center power if things go well early in the game. So my, my all time favorite is, is France. I always find it fascinating who, um, which which countries and why. Um, I, I yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating. Um, Austria at the moment is my favourite country um, because I know pretty quickly if I'm going to be sticking around for the whole game or not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, exactly. but, but that, that, that's my only reason for that at the moment. Um, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one thing I think uh, I did read in that article as well, uh, Matt, was the fact that you have a, a company board game library. And I'm assuming the photograph is that library, is it? Or is it from somewhere else? That's my private library. It's your private library. <laughs> it's very <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> um, it, the photo doesn't capture half of it either. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> Need one of those 360 panorama photography. <laughs> yes, um, there, there's maybe 700 games in the whole collection. Do you have a favourite? Well, of course, I won't pick one that I designed. 
Um, and and so I'd say that, and I also won't pick an enduring classic like chess or Go. I'm going to focus on published copyrighted games. And I'd say that of those, Diplomacy is one of my favorites, even though it so rarely hits the table and so rarely fits the circumstances. It's a wonderfully designed game. Uh, and it's unique, and it fulfills its purpose really well. Uh, I, I, I like Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, in fact, I think Knizia is a wonderful designer. I'm really impressed with his work, and uh, Tigris may be my favorite of all of his. Uh, I like Power Grid. That, that may be the one I play the most often. Acquire is an old classic, and again, I appreciate the elegance. It doesn't always do justice, but it does end quickly, and so it's forgivable that uh, the bad things can happen in a game of Acquire. I like Automobile, and that's that may be the one where I have the greatest difference of opinion with the rest of the world. Automobile is regarded as a pretty good game, but maybe not one of the greatest games ever written, whereas I think it belongs up there as, as a, a real top design. So I, I, I'm a fan of that, maybe more than the rest of the world is. There are also some simpler games that I enjoy, like Sleuth is a great deduction game Yeah, for, for your listeners who enjoy that. I'm sorry, you're about to ask a question. Go ahead. I was just going to say that you, you sound very passionate and excited about board gaming. Um, I'm, I'm kind of assuming, is it a way that you like unwind or is it just, how, how do you view board gaming as part of you know, your life? Yeah, well, just like a musical instrument, you could use it to unwind or you could use it to exacting precision and play a concert in front of a big audience. You can do either one. A a game is a flexible implement in that way. I can play a game in a relaxed way, but I can also play it in a really competitive way. And I enjoy them in different circumstances to both purposes. Okay, that makes sense. I'm naturally very competitive, so my <laughs> default would be to really try to win. Um, but sometimes the, a relaxed posture is more appropriate. And in that, um, I suppose, in the in the business world, I mean, by nature, it's a highly competitive environment. Um, did you find after the Forbes article, did any um, fellow CEOs or other people or peers, let me put it that way, ever reach out to you and say, never really thought about board games that way, or alternatively, they kind of, you know, it was almost like a coming out for them saying, oh, yes, I love playing games as well. You know, it's wonderful. Once you confess to an interest in something, you know, a little bit nerdy, like like board gaming, yeah. uh, suddenly you find that many other people are actually interested in the same thing. It's become a kind of a calling card, right? It's a great way to make friends. Uh, it's a it's an opportunity. First, it's public. Other people can see this article and and use it as a way to introduce themselves to me or make a connection, which I love. I'm so glad that I have something that I enjoy out there in the public that can be used as a means of connection. Uh, and and sometimes I'll even introduce with it. Sometimes now I'm, I'm sort of a little bit known for it. So. If I make a friend in business, it could come up in the course of conversation, and then I'll follow up by sending them a copy of one of my games. It's a lot better than sending them uh, something boring like a holiday card or, you know, a, a dull business book. I, I find it much more engaging, and I think that it's a pleasure for them as well. Have you have you actually ever played any games against? You know, people who you know you would kind of normally associate and work with um, 
at that one I work with. Oh, yes. um, you, 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 okay, tell, tell us a little bit about that. No, I, I have. In fact, I invite them to play games at my home, and it's a pleasure. Uh, I've I've had uh, people who worked in my company with me. I've had uh, uh, I, I used to work for someone else, and I invited them over to play games with me. I, I've invited partner organizations and people that I've met through the course of business. I find it a wonderful way to create friendships and have a good time. Uh, you, you know, not everybody wants to do it, but for those who are interested in a day of board gaming, it's, you know, they used to, the, the old saying is you learn more about somebody in a day on the golf course than you do in a year at the office or something like that. Well, I suppose you could say something like that for games, but I'm not so much trying to learn about them as I am supposed to, I'm trying to create a friendship and just enjoy time together. And so it's very good for that. And I think the um, that, that Forbes article also mentioned that you, know, you had monthly games nights or whatever like that with um, within the company, do you? Or so is, is that, how yeah. do you, how do you kind of, what, what's the reception been to that? Well, some people just love it and some people choose not to get involved or worry that they wouldn't do well and so it would be embarrassing or something like that. Uh, I, I don't want them to feel that way, but sometimes they do. Um, I, I think that for those who play, they really enjoy it. It's been a great experience. And I'm always open to, uh, to inviting new players. And so the opportunity is out there. And I, I find it a great way to meet people even, for example, uh, when an, a new class of interns comes into my company in the summer, I sometimes invite the whole group of them to play board games at my house. And look, we all know that they're not there to be sharks and, and win. They're just there to participate. I'm going to be a good host and I'm going to have fun and serve you know, some crackers and teach them a game or two. It's it's just in fun and it's it's very relaxed mode. But it's a good way to break the ice with people. It's you know, an activity and it's an act of sharing. Sometimes that's that's actually more important than what you do. It's just the ability to make some kind of a a generous gesture to people, and that puts the relationship in the right frame of uh, the the right frame. Okay, um, as as an actual, obviously a leader within an organisation, you, you've got potentially, as you said, you know, a very large amount of board games to kind of draw upon. Is there particular games that you would kind of gravitate towards if you're looking at, you know, either building certain skills within those individuals in your team? Yes. Yes, I suppose I could choose games on an instructional basis, but honestly, I never do. Mm -hmm. I, I don't try to teach people business skills in games. I just try to deepen relationships, make connections. Uh, that, that's all. No, that's cool. I was just, I was interested whether um, at certain points of time you, you feel that people are ready for you know, um, expanding certain aspects of, of the way that they work together. But um, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. I, I like the idea, and I think it would even be possible to create a game in order to teach people how to be better at business. And so maybe I should do that. But I haven't, and that hasn't been my priority. <laughs> I would have thought the uh, the way to do that is actually to uh, get into business and learn the hard way. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, what you need is a feedback loop, right? An easier exactly. feedback yeah. loop than that. 
Excellent. Um, Matt, I'm very conscious of your time. I think we're coming up to that half hour point now. Uh, Kana, did you have any other final questions that you wanted to, to ask at all? Oh, no, I think Matt's covered so much in this interview. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. Well, this has been delightful fun, and I hope to meet you over a diplomacy table someday. Love that. Love to. (laughs) We just have to be able to uh, leave our country first. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. What a blast listening to Matt Colkins. So did I. (laughs) It was a wonderful interview. Um, it's not like we, uh, the normal people we interview we, aren't, um, we don't have a blast with. It was just a different level of... It's not a level of conversation, it's just a level of detail that we don't normally explore. Definitely well thought out um, discussions around game dynamics and, yes. and actual the game... Uh, not, not only the game of diplomacy and the, the complexity and the core simple relationships involved in that space, but... Um, you know, even even that sideways tangent into how like the rule sets in games mm. and how um, diplomacy in its pure form is, is a really simple game, yeah. and that um, you know how how thinking about those other games that he plays and has invented himself really. Um, you know, there's that there's that um, view around the game of Go and the game of chess, and you know those 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 long-standing drafts, heritage, heritage games, where you can start with a real simple set of rules, and once you know those rules, you know, easy to easy to learn, but forever to master. Mm. You know. I think I think Matt may have even spoken around that at some stage there. Um, you know, I'm 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 the same as you. I hadn't heard of the World Gaming Championship prior to reading that article, um, but I, it sounds like a lot of fun. I think that would be something to really go to. Absolutely, I think I think that any of our listeners based in the uh, US, I think it's ba- I think it's in the East Coast normally, um, where if you've got a, a broader interest in board gaming, you, know, you love obviously you love diplomacy, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to our podcast. But if you love other board games as well, and you're half decent, well, even if half decent, you just, you just like playing. Yeah. it'd be probably worth going and checking that out. So uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily have the most uh, sophisticated website, the World Diplomacy Championship. But I, it looked like it had been designed in about you know the late nineties. But <laughs> well, you know. But I've I've still got websites out there that I think uh, last designed in the late nineties. So uh, I can't be blamed. But um, yeah, that was that was really interesting. Loved learning about that. Um, really loved hearing about the way he views the game and how it kind of how some of the concepts in all that you know he applies with communication and feedback loops and things like that yeah the in feedback the, loops it was really fascinating yeah hey, you know you can apply life to things yeah yeah you know, yeah. apply game or gamifying things to yes yes to 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 from, from something so complex and simplifying it right down um 
I, I played I played Power Grid. It's one of my favourite games. You know, um, sitting underneath um, diplomacy, of course. Um, on the on the scale of games I go to, it's one of my go to games for introducing more complex concepts oh, okay. yeah, yeah, with yeah. Um, sort of not new board game players, um, but game players who have started. You know, they've they've been they've played the game, they've played maybe Zuro or Settlers of Catan or Carcassonne, and you want to introduce them to something a little bit more complex, and um, and a way to do like. Power Grid is one of those games because it really simulates uh, an economic mm-hmm. um, game. So I uh, don't know if you've ever played it, Andy. No, I haven't. Um, I hadn't heard about it before the interview. Okay, so so the the vanilla game, the vanilla, because it's got expansions of different parts of the world. Uh, but the idea behind the game is that each of you begins in a part of um, of a of Germany or. Um, United States, I think, is the other right. side. But you've got a little region, and you need to. You are a power company, yep. and everyone and everyone else is a power company. You've got different ways to power your cities. You can power your cities through uranium, or oil, or coal, or garbage, or renewables. Yep. Right. And the idea is to um, expand to all of these different cities and there's connection costs to expand to the cities so there's money that passes around but you also have to be able to pay for the running of your plant plants and you do that by buying resources yep right as you buy the resources other people are also bidding for those resources and so it, it sounds more, like a boss yeah. <laughs> It gets more. The, the resources get more expensive as they as there's less and less of them. As people wanting to buy more and more coal or more and more uranium, it gets more and more expensive, right? And then at the same time, so it just simulates that supply and demand um, in the power plants, and you can upgrade your power plants and get more efficient ones that can power more cities. And it's actually just a really um, It's a good economic simulator, and it crosses that bit where you have to think strategically about where you're going to expand okay. to. So, so yeah, um, that's powerful. When it comes to uh, other games that we discuss, I, I did quite like how uh, you and Matt both kind of geeked out when you were talking about Tigris and Euphrates or Tigris and Euphrates. Great game. <laughs> Great game. Yep. That's um, that, that game. I think has been around not that much. Less longer. Does that make sense? Than diplomacy. I think yes. It's yes. It's of a similar age. Yeah, I, I think, and it's been re-editioned a number of times. Was it an Avalon Hill game as well? Or? No, I don't think it was. I'm not really too sure about the history of it, to be perfectly no. honest. But actually, it was um, when I first started playing diplomacy online. The community that played diplomacy also regularly set up tickets and trading games. Oh, okay. And so, you know, I've jumped in a few of those. It's um, yeah, it's set in it's set in ancient Sumerian yeah. times, and you play a king or a ruler, and you've got different um, abilities depending on depending on your expansion areas and the types of cities that you got it's yeah. a little bit complex really it's got a lot of stuff that you kind of expect to be in a game of, of that era yeah but it, it's actually got a real lot of replayability okay yeah 
Yeah. I think it came out maybe a decade after Diplomacy, maybe a bit after. Maybe two, I don't know, yeah. 70s perhaps. I'm thinking 70s. Um, yeah, but that, 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 that's a fun one. I, I, do, I do enjoy that game. Um, I, I really want to check out automobiles. Oh, now, yeah. Now that um, that's been recommended to me, I've never heard of it before actually is it automobiles or automobiles singular or plural automobile i wrote it down here um anyway i'm sure we could google it doesn't matter like oh, probably like automobile sure google. automobile yeah yeah automobile um yeah gonna look into that i actually went to uh purchase his game that you remember seki gohara oh yeah um and unfortunately, all of the online board game stores in Australia, they've got a, it's out of stock. Right. Unfortunately, so... It's probably in one of those many, many, you know, cargo ships queuing up outside all the ports. The coast somewhere, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in its fourth edition now. Oh, wow. Yeah, we won the 2012 Board Game Geek, Golden Geek Golden Award. Geek of the Year, wow. Golden Geek Award, yeah, so the Board Game Geek. Okay. Board Game Geek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So award, that is the Board Game of the Year. You know, fourth edition too. Um, but reading the rules in it, well, the actual rules, but reading the concept of the rules, it's got similar ideals to diplomacy in that way, because that, that removes the element of chance to the, to, to the game. Yep. You, you know, without actually having it in front of me, I can't really describe it too much more, but no dice or, or red. Yeah, it had, it had cards and things like that from memory. So it kind of sounded a little bit like because um, there's that there's a diplomacy variant too based in well there's the official diplomacy variant and then there's the unofficial ones based in you know medieval Japan isn't it yes what yeah, is that called Sen- um, Sengoku Sengoku yeah. um, but obviously there's other factors that are used in uh, Sekigahara anyway anyway but I, I thought oh I'll look together so next time I'm um, I'm actually in mind games I'll pop in and see if they can't order me a copy cool cool Oh, well, it was great. Great talking to Matt. Learnt lots. I hope our uh, listeners did too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed that. So, other things. We we tried to get a face-to-face game happening. Down, down, down. So, what happened there? There There was some pickup. Well, there was you and there was me and there was two other people who <laughs> said, yeah, 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 I'll be there. Um, so we need three more. I know, I know. But, you know, I made additional efforts. I think we're going to have to start others. Well, first off, we'll wait until, you know, maybe January-ish after things start calming, you know, yep. down. But apart from that, I'm going to have to start making efforts elsewhere, you know, like that idea, and I've talked about it before, you know, maybe the case of joining a, a broader, you know, game community and playing some of their stuff and then one day saying, hey, let's play this diplomacy yeah. thing, and then, you know, just start siphoning them away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Or, you know, go to a university board game club and, you know, effectively act as the, the host of the game just to give people a rundown and make it all happen. There's a few board game places around that do board games. Not just 
you know, and actually specifically, you know, not just will like you know, what what is it? Warhammer and yeah, they've got yeah, a few not, board game places, board game yeah, yeah, yeah. places as well. Do you think our um, energy would be better suited going to separate ones and recruiting from separate ones? Um, I don't know. I mean, we get to speak to more people. Probably. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Do you play other board games? Not really. Not really. No. Spend all my time geeking out on diplomacy and <laughs> doing other shit. <laughs> Speaking of geeking out on diplomacy, the games are back up and running again on VDIP. Yay! Woo! Go! And thank you so much to uh, Toby1 for um, oh. pulling a massive amount of, you know, magical rabbits out of the hats for that yeah. one. Absolutely. But, yeah. There's no way I would have been able to navigate any of those issues. Not in a million years. You know what we should do? What? We should get him on the show and... Um, it's a good idea. Learn a little bit around what it's like to try to fix a broken diplomacy site and just yeah. hear a little bit about what he likes about the game and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know where he's situated, do you? Oh, we'll, we'll contact him and find out. Huh. Maybe maybe uh, the next episode we get on. We can always try, we can always try. Hey, I read an article about um, AI on diplomacy recently. Oh, yes. Um, I reached out to them about it and you haven't heard back from them. Oh, no? Well, I haven't heard back from them, that's all. Mind you, I just tried via Twitter, so maybe they have other means Happy of news. contact. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently, you know, it, it's, it's really good at that, you know, like Austria, France. Yeah. One versus one. One yep. versus one. Yeah, like, what was their, what was their terminology? Superhuman. Being able to play the game, essentially, you know, unbeatable. So this, my understanding, and look, you can jump in and, and <laughs> you actually read the article. Um, well, I read it to the point where they started getting into math, and then my um, eyes blazed over, and I found it really You went too long, didn't read after that point. Yep. But wasn't it around? Unlike the previous AI efforts with the bots, which kind of looked at a whole heap of data sets from the way other players have played players yep. isn't this actually more around it's learning itself along the way yeah yep so it's learning from its own games it's playing yep. and then applying that to future games yep yep wow that's that is very uh well apparently it does really well on one versus one but is what was it what have they said suboptimal and definitely not superhuman against <laughs> Six other players, human players. Ah, okay. yeah. So it's got a long way to go. Does it only play gunboat? Must do. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. No, only gunboat. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we did have that person we're talking to about the AI working out truth and oh yeah 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 falsehoods yep. from text. You know, I wonder. Yeah, I thought. I think diplomacy would be one of those really interesting ones where you could apply. As, as Matt says, that said, you know, like gamifying and actually distilling a rule set. So actually going, okay, this language is from the kind of language you'd expect from Austria or from Germany and trying to get that. Yep. I think if you're going to, I don't know, if an AI is actually going to stand a chance to 
the problem is an AI would need to understand okay so it needs to understand how to apply programmatic concepts into natural language which should be relatively easy you know I mean for example um, I'd like to you know I want to move from Munich to Tyrolia um, you know can you because I want to attack come through the back door to attack Marseille Please don't. I'm not going to come for you. Blah blah blah. Actually, no, that's a bit too wrong way. I'll start. I'll start, I'll start again. It should be able to say, "I'd like to move, move, you know, Munich to. How about we bounce in Bergen?" Something like that. That concept. It gets okay. complex really quick. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What about bouncing Galicia? Well, just, just bouncing, bouncing Galicia? Question mark. Yeah. Okay. So it's a single line, but would it be able to understand? Don't bounce me in Galicia. I want to move through there to take Romania. Romania. Would it be able to understand that? And would it be able to understand that? No, that's probably not a good thing to let happen. Yeah, I don't. You know? I don't know. I don't know how how good you know various AI systems are with natural language in that sense you, you have to apply you have to talk to someone who's yeah. an expert in that. Yeah. you'd have to combine it with a bot you know one of those bots that recognizes okay this is the move i'm going to make and therefore language works from that move i've decided to make yeah. in which case there's no point talking to the bot because it's already made up its mind <laughs> <laughs> well actually no that's interesting because that's a great point so the bot just imagine like if you're playing a game and a lot of players do this automatically what is, what's the first thing you do in normal face-to-face game uh, say hello to everyone no okay, sorry rephrase all that okay we're now in a, in a no, no, it's spring 903 okay okay you've just had your, your your winter adjudication and they go okay right stay in spring 903 what happens what do i do yeah what's the first thing most players do uh, write down temporary orders. Well, that's what you should do. Okay. So, the bot automatically would go, Poop. I would work out temporary orders. Okay? okay, yep. And then it's a case of, if it was smart enough, how could you manipulate other players to give you an advantage over and above those temporary orders? Or, fuck, to strengthen the chances of those temporary orders working? Or it may receive communication coming through from a real player, which then challenges its think its air quotes thinking around what it should be doing with its orders, and may then its readjust order. its orders yeah. if it was smart enough with the um, natural language. Mm. And actually, and it's not, not just it's not that. just saying like, natural like, language; it's then applying that against a whole heap of risk factors and to what extent you know. Yeah, how far you can trust what that person is saying yeah yeah still a long way to go isn't it yes which is good because there's still you know opportunity for real life players to play the game and win <laughs> anyway of we're out of drinks would yes. you like to get would you like me to get would you like me to go get you a drink I'd love a drink okay let's just pause and come back Cheers. Cheers.
Alright. What did I do wrong? I should have pressed unpause again. Pause, not record. Pause. Yeah. Fuck. Technology. Such a dickhead. Anyway, welcome back. Welcome back. So we've got new drinks. What were you on again? Oh, I've changed. I've changed to Helios Cyclops. Cyclops, Cyclops. It's a Queensland um, Indian Paolo. How is it? Um, It's definitely an IPA. It's got that... um, Yeah, it's got that bitterness about it. Nice. It's it's nice. It's actually crisp. And you're on a wine. Yes, I've got a Tropo Big Red Syrah from South Australia, which is... um, I actually had very low expectations on it. Because there's like only two red wines and there was like a Pinot Noir and I didn't usually like Pinot Noir. And a Syrah. And normally, so Syrah is exactly the same as Shiraz. The okay. difference is, Shiraz is normally in a like a warmer climate type of area and Syrah, which is more a European thing, it's exactly the same grape. It's more a colder climate one. Oh, okay. So it brings different flavours into it. But that just actually tastes like a Shiraz, so it's awesome. Oh, in which case, cheers. <laughs> cheers. So hopefully um, all that stuff we recorded just before is there, otherwise we're a bit fucked and we might have to kind of come back and do it on a um, Skype thing. <laughs> but before we did all that, I said, hey, have you read the most recent um, Christmas email that's come out from the policy briefing around... Um, potential, a potential gift for those you love which could be yourself um, when it comes oh, to yes. diplomacy. Would you give the uh, diplomatic man of leisure who has everything for Christmas? It's a question that vexes spouses, families and significant others each year. What do you get yourself for Christmas, you sneaky rapscallion? So, yeah. scroll a little bit more down towards the bottom and look at this little baby. Ooh. Actually, maybe... Actually, it looks better if you kind of turn it that way so it's actually got the right... Proportion, it's all southeast, you know what I mean? Oh, Ooh, that's, uh, gee, that's nice. That's a nice board. That's that's it's a beautiful board. It's a lovely board. Okay, so what am I looking at here? This is a wooden Yeah, so if you scroll down a little bit more you can see the whole board. Birch plywood, custom laser cut. Ooh. Actually you'd probably appreciate some of the um, here it is, look at that. Ooh. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that lovely? So this is wooden inlay. It's lovely. It's the and same scale look, too, but look at the look at the supply centres. Yeah, but look at the detail even with the islands and the fjords and everything like that. It's, it's really nice. You probably appreciate the um, uh, what do you call it? The way it's produced, wouldn't you? Actually, no. You're more not timber. You're more upper stuff. Um, but I still appreciate it. Like this is um, this is lovely. So this must be so must taken the map and laser cut it larger, mm-hmm. and then inlaid it with a different type of wood. timbers. Yeah, so it's two timber, three timber. I'm not sure how he's done the um, the borders? black, the borders. Whether that's printed laser etched or, or printed on or. Oh, let's have a look. So, maple finish, plywood board. Sandwich panels with enclosed galvanised steel sheets fabricated. Alright. 
So you get, oh okay, so you get armies and fleets uh, made with maple but they have embedded magnets so they don't slip up. Isn't that, oh nice. Supply centre markers are made from coloured acrylic. Oh okay, so that's what I'm seeing here over Warsaw. Oh that's right, the, to give you an idea of the, oh yeah, the, who yeah, owns so what. you can see who owns Nice. That is just a lovely touch. Um, Engravers on the back of each panel and the unit's box with the board number and the owner's name. Oh. Is that not nice? So, as you can imagine, with all that work, it doesn't necessarily come, you know. Well, it's not cheap, it's not expensive, it's, you know, I suppose it's all relative to the player, but. Um, the, uh, the price of 230 you can get yourself this deluxe diplomacy board set. Yes, and 280 for the magnetised ones. From, and then shipping uh, costs. Matt Krill. Matt Krill. So, uh, Matt Krill at gmail... No, sorry, no, no. matthew.krill at gmail.com. Better yet, if you haven't already subscribed to the diplomacy briefing, uh, what's wrong with you? Um, better do it now and if you haven't uh, go back and have a look at their website you can find all the details there around um, how to order yourself one of those beautiful boards I imagine those prices are US dollars and um, seeing it's all made of timber it probably can't get shipped to Australia because of our oh our quarantine our quarantine rules god because they have to actually they'll probably fumigate it and you don't see it for six months yeah, you buy it now, ready for next Christmas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the right things there. But um, it's, it's a glorious board. If you're in the US and you've got a bit of... And you've been wondering what to get a spouse or... Or yourself. Yourself. <laughs> I mean, that is just lovely. I'd love to play on a board like that. Mm, it would be good. Yeah. Very, very good. I've um, got, a nice, got, a, got a really nice chess set. With, you know, it, it's... Well weighted pieces. Mm -hmm. it, it makes a massive difference when you're playing chess on a nicely weighted, just that tactile element, yep. versus playing like with little plastic pieces on a cardboard board. It makes a it's, it's a big big difference. Actually, um, Mancala is a game like that where you playing with. Um, it's an African game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, talking about games, when I was just kind of about getting drinks, oh yeah, look at all these fucking board games there. Mind you, there's no diplomacy there, but here, yeah. Oh wow, okay. So what do they got? Let's see, what ones do I recognise? Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride Expansion, Expansion, uh, Codename, Spyfall, Connect 4, it's got to be Chess, Scrabble, Azel, Categories. Yeah. Okay. They've got a few there. Yeah. So they do board games here. Yeah. Not as many, say, for example, a proper board game place, but for a bar, not bad. Ticket to Ride's a fun one. I think I've played it once. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I definitely don't settle as a pretend. No, I don't cut the song. I'll settle as a pretend. Cut the song's good. I, I like that one. Um, 
fucking all the one. Like, it's good that it's good. Good game design allows you to have that element of what is it, Champion Freud? Oh yeah, yeah. Where the game pleasure out from doing the stuff and up. Yeah. Lots of that in diplomacy. Oh, lots of that in diplomacy. Yes, absolutely. So, talking of which, how are, how are your games going? I, I see that you've um, unfortunately had to bow out of a game. I had to bow out from the email Dawn of the Enlightenment game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's purely from work. Um, they found a replacement? They did, although I believe the communication wasn't that brilliant. Um, yeah, look, honestly, from a... Oh, from a workload perspective, I... I'm, I'm kind of looking at not really being able to do any kind of full press until the new year at the earliest. And I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to be involved in a game where I'm actually the drag on the game. Yep. I would prefer a game like that to have someone who's committed to communicating and being prompt with their communication. Um, and to, to do it justice, like uh, I mean, I could just, I could have just gone silent and entered gumbo orders, but you know, that's not really. Where's the value from the playtesting point of view? Yeah. Right. And and it's, 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 it really um, devalues the other players as well. So I felt that it was um, probably best and probably the polite thing to do to withdraw whilst the game was still early to allow someone to take over that position. Well, there's been an adjudication in the last... Well, I haven't actually checked the um, the emails for probably uh, today. And adjudication's happened. Oh, yeah. Looks like I've been kind of stabbed. Again? Again. So... Um, I was previously in Lower Burgundy. You still are. No, I'm not. I'm not orange. I'm blue. Oh. So I think Austria is now working with the Netherlands against me. Yep. And on top of that, Spain has then moved from Milan into Savoy with obviously his own support in the um, Mediterranean to take Savoy off me. So a bit fucked there. Huh. In North America, nothing, no surprises there, but nothing good either. And South America? Oh, you withdrew out of that, didn't you? Yeah, uh, South, well, not in South America, oh, yeah, I kind of blew it up. Um, and then in India, oh, I've got Calcutta. So I've got took Calcutta off England, obviously with some Indian support. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, who was meant to move in there? So they must have been blocked by those other by uh, the rest, you know, England and uh, Holland. So anyway, that's not looking too good for me at the moment. Hmm. I do find the whole. In some ways, it's good having like a longer negotiating period. Yes. Like if you really want to get into it, it's great. 
and if you short of time, it's good. And if, but then there's also the risk that I've occasionally done, which is just like, oh yeah, I've got so much time to do that. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And by the time you then re-engage, it's like. 12 hours until the turn's due <laughs> and everyone's moved out their fucking moves <laughs> and they're going oh, fuck off or so all of say oh yeah yeah that's a great idea but yeah well, all the way woo <laughs> and then of course I don't fucking deliver the goods so as always Kana I'm my own worst enemy in um, some of the games I play I feel like maybe that's also happened with the um, with the Mongolian variant as well no, that was different. Yeah. I just got pro- properly stacked. Properly, sure. yeah. They, they yeah. mean I, I. I thought we were working towards a four-way draw. Apparently, I was the one person that didn't know it was a three-way draw. But yep. then again, maybe one of those people doesn't know it's a two-way draw <laughs> or a solo. <laughs> like going for a solo. <laughs> yeah. So uh, okay, okay. I've been deliberately actually talking about that game. I've been deliberately trying to architect my moves in such a way to help disadvantage this particular player? No, to kind of help the, the leading players, oh, sorry, to block the player with the least amount of supply centres so that the number one, number two becomes stronger. That would be... Yeah, Tibet. Yep. So the idea being, if I can kind of prevent Tibet getting too much and just know that, look, I'm going to die, it's going to go to the Great Khan, it's going to go to Chagatai, but at least if those two grow bigger and bigger, then there becomes an SC imbalance. And hopefully they just decide to go, hmm, well, that, we don't really that, need to bet around anymore. And then Tibet can find out that, as I said to him, don't let you fucking, just, these guys will fucking come and get you. <laughs> then they'll come and do that. And now I can kind of gloat afterwards in my grave saying, haha, told you so, mind you, I probably have caused it. Kind of like how Shiru Driver is calling from the back benches. He's been eliminated. Yep. But he's still saying, you know, there's still more to cover in. Yellow's still there. Kill yellow. <laughs> um, in this particular game, obviously it's all anonymous, but I'll, I'll probably give away who I'm not because by talking about this, we've had a situation where a number of players have just not turned up so players like whether 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 they've just um totally left the game or they didn't realize that it restarted and they're just starting to get back into the game but they're kind of already at a at a disadvantage because they missed it you know what i mean oh yes yeah, yeah. so players like castile players like venice players like um mamluks as a result of that, you've had a situation where Portugal particularly has made massive inroads into Castile, which is also in Spain. Yep. Portugal managed to go all the way, because of the way this map is designed, went all the way around the uh, bottom of Africa, of Africa into the um, Red Sea Popped and has been kind of eating up Mamluks because he didn't turn up. Mm. Um, I've noticed, also up in Ireland. Yes, Portugal's up in Ireland. I mean, it's fucking it's like everywhere. Some sort of crazy Portuguese Well, that's because Amada. I think... Did, um, I think Scotland... Did Scotland not turn up? No, no, Scotland did turn up. Anyway. So, they're doing very, very well. Who's this one? 
He must be doing well. Papacy's doing well. Papacy's doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually he did a um, a massive stab on Savoy. Oh, nice. Um, got five or six supply centers in a single year, I think. And at this stage in the game, what? That's that's a lot. Well, the thing about Papacy, as you know, is it's um, Papacy. It's obviously based around normally central Italy. And the papal and the papal state area around Avalon, you know, in the southern France. Yes, yeah. But because he's kind of gone rum 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 and eaten up people like you know Milan and others along the way, he's just had Savoy down the middle, and now he's effectively kind of collapsing in on Savoy to be able to join up his territories, flanking him from either side. Yes, mm. squeezing him. Squish. Okay. All right. So this is actually a really interesting game. Well, I am enjoying this one, but I do feel that. Some of those um, other players around the board who've been given a bit of a leg up are going to really, um, I suppose, prosecute their Racing. yeah their position, yeah. and and that may create problems for me. I think longer term or even middle term. Is it worthwhile throwing yourself to being the lackey of one of those dominant players, if possible? Um, well, I, I have had conversations with that player, um, but they're not they're not realistic from my perspective. Oh yeah, it is kind of like yeah, you be my his his you is like yeah, you be my you be my bitch. I'll be I'll keep you alive, mate. I'll keep you alive. But the way he's kind of responded, it's like. Actually, no, no I, I tell a lie. It wasn't quite like that. I make it sound worse than it was. Um, his view was more, no, I'll have all that stuff and you don't need any of that. You know, oh, I, yeah. I need that. My allies need that. You don't need any of that. Oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 you can join, me. Yeah, you can join my, 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 my friend's club, but um, you're not having anything. You can't play at the toys. Actually, you're right about the map looking funny. Like, it's a real patchwork at the moment. Probably because of that reason that you've just described. Yeah. You know, you've got odd colours in places you wouldn't really expect them to be. Like, this red up in That's Norway yeah. while, you know, he's combating... Is that, is that England here? It is? Yeah, right? it's okay. All right, so England's doing pretty good too. And you've got a couple of... Minor pairs you kind of expected to. Yeah, you're right. It's very it's patchwork. It's patchwork at the moment. We should talk about this one a little bit more off tape later, seeing you're not in the game. Yes, happy to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so there's that one. Yep. And you picked up a position here on. Um, I believe that one. You joined a game I was in. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, progressively I've been, you know, reduced to... <laughs> Let's be realistic, Kana. Penury? Huh? Penury? I'm just fucked. I'm gonna... <laughs> I'll be out of this game, like another game that I'm in, I think it's just, you know, I just got kind of injected out of <laughs> Well, good, good. Okay, so that's that one. All right. And I think the other one... I had water, sorry. I've never seen this variant before. This, this, no. I didn't even realise we had it. It's 1800 Empires and Coalitions. Yeah. This is one of those ones I bought into, into a um, 
an NMR position or CD position. And um, yeah, am I, am I, is this anonymous or not? It is, unfortunately. Yeah, but what okay. do you find of that map? Like I look at that and I, was, I actually just it's struggle. actually quite a, it's it's not a bad map. It's quite challenging actually. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I I enjoy the map. Um, uh, I, I don't enjoy being shafted, um, but I'm becoming used to it. You are taking over CD <laughs> positions. I know, only because you've told me it's good for my karma or some bullshit. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> I'm helping the game. You are, you are. Alright, okay. And this one you were waiting um, hawkishly to join. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the, at the earliest possible moment. So this is as good as started. You started this game, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, because it kind of had NMRs like in yes. the build phase, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, at the initial turn phase, yeah. Oh, I haven't actually checked these uh, moves. Fuck. I need to get glasses, Kana. Fuck, I can't read that. Can't you? <laughs> no! You do need glasses. Is that better? Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Just got to change the angle. <laughs> okay, yep. Good. <laughs> yep. Oh. Mm, mm. See, that's that's. Oh yeah. This is only for you. Yep. Bounce there. Okay. Huh. You've played this um, country before, haven't I you? I have some experience with this country. So obviously it's an anonymous game. Can't talk about who I am. Blah blah. No. Is it? I don't think I can. Um, it, no, it's anonymous. Um, my suggestion is this one here is your probably your main um, antagonist. Right. So you get rid of that one as soon as possible. Yep. It will cause you a lot of trouble. Yeah. Okay. The other one that you're going to have to deal with is working out. Which of those two? What sort of Sharing order sharing arrangements you want to set up. It's good advice. Because you you mean you can, right? (laughs) But leave yourself a way to expand. If you feel this mate, this guy here could you know actually turn into a friend, then expand, you know, you've got you essentially got one, two, three, four. You got yeah, you got four directions you can span to. Yeah. You need to choose a direction to sort of stick to. Okay. You, you can't with this particular power. You can't choose small games. You have to go all in. Yes. And, okay. and trust your neighbours. You need to make that arrangement with your neighbours. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, I think that's pretty much my games at the moment, isn't it? Oh, you will. Yeah, they're the ones I just pulled out. I'm still in you like a um, that uh, game over in wherever the fuck it is. Primacy. Oh yeah. I think it's only about three of us playing, so it's not that not that great. So let's move on to some of your shit. Um, well, this I've been watching this only... game that you're in. I've been spectating this. I'm. <laughs> love what I'm seeing, but things seem to be slowing a little bit for you, don't you think? A little bit. Unfortunately, a little bit. Let's zoom in um, a little bit so I can see a little bit. Let's zoom in down here, right? Yep. Well, hang on. This this stalemate line, there's nothing I can do to break it, there's nothing he can do to break it my direction. Right? Yep. It's set in stone. And unless I can circumnavigate him... Are we able to talk about what the name of the game is? 
Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. 36 for all? Yes. Yeah. Long-term yeah. listeners would probably know that anyway. And they'd probably, probably be listening to it. They'll listen exactly to what you say to work out who the fuck you are. If they're in the game particularly. <laughs> so my, my problem is, I can't break that stalemate line. And I'm in a position where I've got a much larger player coming at me from the sea. Yep. Right? So I need to... The difficulty with stalemate with, with sea lanes is the difficulty to stalemate the sea lanes, which is what it was invented for, really. So I'm in this position where I have to really pour into some key positions, some fleets, quick smart, in order to hold this player back. Yep. Um, and I think I might have made it. I, I think I might have gotten made it. But it's uh, still, it's still hard to say. At least you're in a semi-defendable <laughs> position there. <laughs> Wondering whether we need to move outside. Yeah, let's move to that table. There. Okay, let's we'll yeah. pause for a second. Hopefully, not fuck it up again. You guys, we're back. Uh, we've just moved outside. We're a little bit less uh, noisy. Hopefully, the audio's a little bit better. Sorry about the other shit. Um, so where was I? You were talking about creating more defendable position, weren't you? But you think oh, you, might, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. you I, might be right? I, I think I might be right. Um, yeah, at, at the moment it's just a race against time down there. Um, I'm going to continue making small gains here. Yep. On this border. Um, I guess at this stage, my I have a, I have a decision to make. Whether or not... I have enough, um, how would you say, salt in salt, if I have enough dry salt in storage to be able to um, go for a much larger score than I happen to have at the moment. And it's, um, I think it'll all hinge on the results of this particular season's turn as to whether or not change yeah. my direction. We should probably talk more about this map again off, off, uh, offline. I think so, Because yeah. uh, otherwise we're probably going to get into a bit too much detail that we don't. Um, whilst the listeners may love, some <laughs> listeners will particularly love if it helps their game. So, yeah, uh, so I don't want to give anything away, so yeah, we'll leave it at that. But Mine the, being, like, the time this is published, this turn will be well and truly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I reckon just just, yeah, just keep uh, it on the yeah, down low. Keep it on the down low, alright. But you're in that other game I where... I can hear people going, boo, yeah, tell us, you tell suck, us, Kana. You suck, Kana. Yeah, um, alright. But what about that uh, that other game where you're playing the same country that I'm currently playing in, in that game we talked about? Yes, um, so this is another Europa Renovatio one. Um, is that the one I'm getting fucked over? This is the one you're getting stuffed over Yeah, on. that's right. I mean, you did buy a dead position. Um, so can, we say, can we say the name of the game at least? Uh, yeah, so this is this Madness, is Madness two. 2. Yep. Um, You've done I'm, really well, but I can remember when you used to not have this part of the, the map, and yeah. you've kind of just done a great job in that. My, my worry on this map 
is a coastal invasion of me and oh. a potential from who a potential collapse of um, of an ally that's my concern is this what moves these spring or fall uh, this is uh, spring I think no, autumn. autumn builds autumn builds good yeah. so one thing I think you definitely need to do uh, maybe not. I'm building an army there. Yeah, by that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just remove <laughs> remove that small temptation. Yes. Has, has this dude got any builds? Um, you might just want to double check in case he becomes cheeky. No, 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 no. Look, I, this is a long term established. Yeah. Border. This is kind of um, like where you talked about that advice for me. Yeah. Um, the only reason I've got colours all the way to the over in this part of the woods is because I had to I send a random unit out that direction to assist this uh-huh. particular player against an aggressor. Oh yeah, he doesn't um, barely exist anymore. He doesn't exist anymore. Um, because of that support, old mate's doing really, really well and it's expanding like no tomorrow, but um, which worries me a little bit because it's a winner-take-all game. Okay. Um, and now he's taken off like it's what would you say? Like, like, like fireworks in a Fourth of July parade. Fourth of July fireworks, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he's taken off. No, like, yeah. And I've kind of ended up in that. I think I spoke about it a few episodes ago, where I'm actually at this point where I struggle to have direction to go without jeopardising myself. Yeah. So I find myself in a situation where. I'm trying to support the most powerful player on the board, or one yep. of the most powerful players on the board, against a mutual neighbour who is throwing me mixed messages. So I'm getting this kind of thing going on. You're getting love some ways. And then I'm getting this going on at the same time. Oh, hate. Love and hate. It's kind of like, you know, the, the, the dude with the knuckles with you know, the tattoos, love and hate. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know which side you're going to get. You might get like a... I love you over a on jab this. And, a, and a cross. <laughs> I love you over on this side of the stalemate line, but over here we're the enemies. So, yeah. That's that's really confusing. How have you interpreted that? Obviously, you've interpreted not necessarily. I interpreted as this guy doesn't. This guy. I can't trust this guy. No. That's how I interpret it. So. Is that the first time he started attacking you? No, it's been an on again, off again. Actually, because you started attacking him over here. Yeah, because he started attacking me the previous <laughs> turn. Right? And I held off the previous turn because he sent me the t- love the, the season before that. Oh. Like, no, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to... You're just an enemy now. Yeah. You're kind of like in a broken relationship. There's love and there's hate. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm in this situation where I'm trying to support old mate into this, this country because that will... Um, but At how much? Are, how, how strong is he? Uh, yeah, pretty strong. Okay, how much are you on? Oh yes. Ooh. Do you want to be helping him too? Well, I suppose you don't have much option, do you? I don't have much choice. I've got, I've got, I've got a, I've got an abusive spouse on one border, and you know, a potential saviour on the other. He could so. also break into your house at any moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and I've got I've got a neighbour over here who's just menacingly looming over my bloody backyard fence. 
whenever he gets the opportunity. Like, yes, and actually, I can see what you mean. There's a fair amount of um, there's a there's a, there's a potential significant threat there based on your ability to defend yourself effectively. Like if he decides to come at you, you know, full force, I'm stuffed. You are you're a bit stuffed. My only hope. Well, it'll take a while. Yeah. But, yeah. Ultimately, I'm stuffed. Can you break through this line against this neighbour or not? I can with the support I'm trying to give the, uh, the potential saviour. Um, my only hope with this other neighbour is that he seems to be just as concerned about me as I am about him. Yep. And he's moving oh. units in a... Ah, oh, to go over this way. To go over against... Well, my other long-term ally who's running the risk of a collapse so yeah so if that if that ally starts collapsing are you going to kind of come in through the back door you reckon i think i'm going to have to really just to secure myself and i don't think there's any shame in that but i'm not going to do it i'm not going to support his collapse i'm going to wait for the collapse to really get going and then grab the straps yeah yeah Very good. But this cool. one's fascinating. If you look at the, if you look at the history of how this guy's managed to grow so far, um, it, it makes for an interesting look. Um, how do I go to that? Oh, you got past it. I've gone past it. Maps. Oh, maps. Go back a few seasons. Oh wow, he's quite small. Yeah, yeah. So you can see. Yeah, you're like you're, yeah. you're. I'm pretty much saving him, right? Yeah. At this point, I'm I'm doing quite well, you know. Um, and I could have I could have attacked him easily if I, if I wanted to at that stage. That's when you moved um, over his way to help prop him up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all. Yeah. So it it makes for fascinating read into the history of how that history books ah, are written. So this is where he yeah. starts moving then and making gains. Wow, and then he goes up this way. Yep. So once I helped secure him against his aggressor, yep. I then just started moving my pieces um, yeah, away. So as you can see, it's a well-established... Yep. Yeah. Nice. I'm Andy. Thank Thanks you for, for listening, listening to the show. Um, one more before the end of the year. Yeah, this will come out. Well, yeah, this will come out just before Christmas, and then we'll um, try and get one out. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Okay. Right. See you later, boys. See bye you bye. guys. Bye.